Welcome, welcome back to What the Fertility Season 3. We are so excited. We have Camille on with us, Fertility Warrior on Instagram. She is a holistic nutrition and health coach, and she is going to share with us topics about how she has advocated for herself with doctors over the years, how she has navigated infertility in her marriage, and so much more. We are so excited you're on with us, Camille. Awesome. Happy to be here. Very happy to be here and to share my story today. Yeah. So really, I guess, how long ago did this, this fertility journey get started for you? Yeah, it was, it was kind of crazy because recently, um, so I start every new year going on a yoga retreat and, um, it's become a ritual actually It's part of my like fertility journey the past probably five years to go on this retreat. And I was journaling just kind of end to end, um, my story. And it was, just kind of crazy to think that it started 14 years ago um, in the sense of uh, kind of rewinding back to um, middle school. Honestly, I uh, I was kind of like developmentally behind in a physical way. Like I was really short for my age, kind of underweight and that kind of raised red flags for doctors, but they didn't really do anything about it. Um, nor were like pediatricians really equipped to like talk to my mom about like, you know, here's some things that you should start considering until, um, you know, middle school rolled around and, um, my friends around me were like starting to get their period and I never did. And, so they just kind of sat on that for a couple years until I turned 16. And that's kind of around the age where like the medical books say, okay, now like now it's something of concern and you should look into that. Um, so at that point in time, again, pediatricians were like, we don't know what's going on, but like, let's just start her on hormone medication. So um, I was 16 years old without a diagnosis, and they told me to start taking estrogen. Um, so I, I, you know, again, being just 16, I didn't know better. My mom didn't really know because, you know, she hadn't, she didn't have any issues. My, my older sister didn't have any issues. So um, I started taking this medication. And um, at that point in time, I started getting a diagnosis, all of which ended up being wrong. But like with crazy things, like there was this one thing called Meyer Rodokonsky, which essentially means like you don't have a uterus, which like if you did a scan, you would have seen I had one. It was just underdeveloped. So like all of high school, I'm just kind of like taking medication and it's making me not feel great and they don't know what's going on. I'm not having a period. Um, and so that kind of continued until college. And finally at college, I switched doctors, stopped going to pediatricians who were ill-equipped to handle this. And um, they changed my medication protocol. So at that point, they started introducing progesterone because they're like, oh my gosh, like your, your lining is so thick. You've just been taking estrogen for years. And I'm like, oh my goodness. You know, like just the, I mean, I have so many stories of just over the years, the medical system just ill-equipped to handle, you know, fertility, woman's hormone health, like in general. Um, but all that to say, you know, I get to college, they change my medication protocol still don't know like what my diagnosis is. 
And at this so, point, have you had a cycle at all yet or you're? I, with the change in the protocol, I did. So I finally had like an artificial bleed essentially. And um, so was like, great. Like I finally have a period and uh. um, didn't think much of it. Um, and then in college, you know, I think a combination of the stress and just like the, you know, stress and, and all the things that come with college, um, I was diagnosed with a hypothyroid condition. So they were like, man, there's something going on with like your endocrine system. But like, we really don't know, like, just take thyroid medication too. So like, you know, I'm just piling on these medications, taking more and more without any answers. Um, and so, you know, that continued through college. Again, fertility was not top of mind. I didn't really have a serious relationship in college. Um, so there was there was really no prompt um, to think about it. And like, even when I think about social media back then, like no one was really openly talking at that point. Like this is probably like 2014, 2015, like I, I think the big thing maybe was like starting to talk about hormones, but nothing related to like fertility. Um, and so graduated from college, um, started dating someone a couple years out of college. And I was like, huh, I should probably like start thinking more seriously about this fertility thing. And uh, so I finally, for the first time, went to a fertility specialist and um she also misdiagnosed me with something and I, I, I it, yeah, it was just like, I mean, over the years, I think I've had a ser like probably seven or eight different misdiagnoses that were like really serious misdiagnoses where like, if I was a doctor, I would be like, I want to triple check before I tell this girl that like, she doesn't have a uterus, for example, or like, I'm going right? to triple check that like, she's has this. And what was crazy was, so I had just started dating this guy who's now my husband. And, um, you know, six months into our relationship, I go to this fertility specialist and she, she says, you have a limited window of time before you lose all your eggs. So you need to go through treatment. This is what it's going to look like. We're going to give you stimulants and then we're going to do an egg retrieval. So basically like a mini IVF process. I'm like early twenties dating this guy for six months. And I go, Hey, I know we just started dating, but like, would you want to be the father of my children? Like, because they're telling me I have a limited window of time. Wow. <laughs> oh my goodness. So that was, I mean, a whirlwind. We like, we had this like conversation where it was like, yeah, like this is my last chance. Like he wanted to provide that for me. And we like got our families on board with like, Hey, we're going to be oh, parents cool. potentially. Like it was like a whole emotional thing, probably about a month long series of conversations and planning. And then my doctor comes, the fertility specialist comes back and says, I am so sorry, but I misdiagnosed this situation. And you actually and this was when I got my official, like the real, <laughs> the real actual diagnosis of primary ovarian failure. And she was like, this, this is what you have. Like the, like this treatment path wouldn't have worked for you if you had spent all this money on it, blah, blah, blah. Needless to say, I like changed doctors right after that, but that, um, that was right in 2020. 
Um, so like the world had shut down, I got this crazy diagnosis and it was like at home, just like processing just years of, you know, feeling like I didn't have an advocate and feeling kind of passed around by doctors and misinformed and misled and, um, just super frustrated. And it, it kind of set me on a path where the universe and God kind of like opened up doors to different um, kind of Eastern medicine doctors, like an acupuncturist and a naturopath and all these other doc like non-Western medicine healers that um, showed me a different way of, you know, we can't change the diagnosis at this point because you've been taking medication for like almost 10 years, but we can give you the tools and support to lead the best, healthiest possible life and put yourself in the best position to be successful when you do go through treatment. So, I mean, that changed my life and it changed my whole story in a way where it kind of planted seeds for me to think about like, how do I help other people do that? How do I take my story and, you know, help other people who are just at the start that may feel those same feelings of being kind of passed around by doctors, feeling like a number and not really a human and learning about all these other tools that you can have that can help you bring just peace and <laughs> health and, and wholeness on, on your fertility journey. So been on a journey of like five years of really diving into that and getting my own kind of coaching certification in holistic nutrition and health and um, kind of putting my own treatment on on pause as I just kind of explore these passions. And, um, you know, I think one one gift with my diagnosis is um, my only option is kind of IVF with donor eggs. So, you know, there's really no time limit to some degree, like I'm not as pressed for time. So with all that said, you know, you kind of just trust that the your story unfolds in the way that it it should. That's beautiful. And it makes so much sense. I was going through your Instagram and before we jumped on, I was telling Amanda, like, she's really like, you know, she has this passion behind like lifestyle changes and diet changes. And I saw the IIN, like you were going through education and training. This makes complete sense. And I think it's so beautiful because that you don't have this time limit or you don't feel like you're on a time clock because those types of changes take time, right? right. Especially in your situation where you've been doing something medication-wise for 10 plus years. And it's so amazing that you can just take a step back because I think a lot of people on this journey mm -hmm. are so go, go, go. I don't have the three to, months to a year to really make these changes. So right. to your point, you're in a really unique situation that you can do that. Yeah. And, you know, I felt that like I felt right after getting the diagnosis, like, okay, let's go engines fire away. Like, let's get this going. Like, because, you know, it's so deeply painful to go through a fertility challenge and you just want the pain to end. And I think, you know, a lot of people, myself included, think, okay, if I just get myself on the treatment path, if I can predict what's next, if I can lay out a plan, like that'll make me feel so much better about the uncertainty of this fertility issue. And, you know, one thing, some of the clients I've been working with recently is like instituting just slowing down. 
like slowing your body down, slowing your mind down, so that you can just be like a kind observer of these feelings. And you can make better decisions as a result. Like, am I ready for this? Is my mind, body, spirit ready for the toll of starting fertility treatment? And, but yeah, it's just like such a natural response in the initial pain to be like, okay, go, go, go. Like, let's get this done. (laughs) 100%. And I think most people do not give themselves that time because we want to just go on to the next thing because we want you know, the angle is obviously a family, a baby. And so we just like keep pushing through. Um, but I love that. I wish I probably, probably should have taken time um, to really like think things through and all that too. Um, but I, I love what you're doing. It's really incredible. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Again, it's, you know, it's such a natural response and, um, you know, the people around you, like you're, I guess, non-fertility challenge friends or family, like they, they just, they don't want to see you in pain either. So I think, you know, the people around you tend to be like, okay, yeah, like let's go for it. And are supportive of that, like speedy process in a way where I think that is like the benefit of having healers, coaches, whoever it is on your journey that can be like, hold on a second. Let's just pause. Let's take a (laughs) breath let's, let's process this, you know, let's sit in this for a minute. And then, and then from that place, you know, decide what's best for you and your body. Um, but yeah, it's very, very tricky. <laughs> That's a really good perspective. I, I feel like my acupuncturist did that for me. And I always fought that like, no, you don't understand. I have to go. But um, you've clearly been an advocate for yourself with several different types of physicians. And I, I know on your social media page, you share some ways to advocate for yourself um, with physicians and with your doctors. Would you mind sharing like one or two of those ways for listeners? Yeah, absolutely. I so wish again, it's like all these things that you wish you knew, like back at the start of like your health or fertility journey. But, um, you know, I think the benefit of so I have a business background, being a consultant and going to business school and and getting my MBA. And so I, I feel like early on in my health journey, I kind of had this mindset switch where it was like, you know, I can really take ownership of this. I don't just have to react and respond to these experts because I'm the expert in my body. You know, I'm the expert in what's best for me and my family right now. And I kind of had that switch where I almost started treating like my health journey and my fertility journey, like a job because I knew the payment at the end would be like peace, confidence, health. Like there were so many payments on the other end of having that shift. Um, so like with, with that, I think the number one thing I did in terms of like really treating it, like my job, my responsibility to take ownership of was, um, coming prepared to doctor's appointments. Like I would like take notes. I would make sure that, um, for blood tests, for example, that like, it's great now that most things are digital. Cause I think before, like even at the start, like even in high school, like doctors would take a blood test and like print out the physical records and like they'd have it and I wouldn't have access. But now the beauty of like patient portals is like you have access to your information. You have direct access to like your blood tests, for example. So, you know, I want to you want to believe that doctors don't make mistakes. But I think, you know, in order to take that peace and confidence back that it's like 
you're owning this, um, having access to your medical records, your blood tests through that patient portal or some like digital way, um, I think is like the number one thing I've done. And second is just like, yeah, the preparing for doctor's appointments. So, you know, there's so many questions, especially um, when you start the fertility process that you kind of, that come up, you know, and, and the way that clinics are structured is you have like your dedicated like nurse through the clinic, but they're not like a 24 seven hotline. And so what helped me both like slow down, take ownership and prepare for doctor's appointments was I would just like every question I had, like I'd write down and I'd like take notes during the doctor's appointment too. Um, just so I could revisit that. Cause I think, you know, you're sitting, sometimes you sit in these appointments and there's a shock factor when you learn new information. So just really getting organized, um, and taking ownership of like your medical information, um, I think is huge. I've had doctors like re read lab tests incorrectly before. And like, again, that doesn't happen all the time, but for me to just, have the confidence that like I was doing, I was working in a way that was allowing me to like move through the process with confidence. Like those, those were some of the key things I did. That's, I amazing. That. That's amazing. Also, because like, I feel like most of the time we like blindly kind of just follow whatever a doctor says. And especially going through everything you've gone through with all these misdiagnoses, I'm sure you're even more hesitant now to like just listen to what they say. So kind of going in there with your own research and questions, I'm sure has been super helpful, which I yes. a lot of people can relate to because I, I mean, I know I've been misdiagnosed on things before. I'm sure so many other people have as well. Um, that's really, really good tips. Right, yeah. right. Well, and, and, you know, I remember like experiencing doctors who were like, who would kind of be um, maybe like thrown off or uncomfortable with me, like being like, oh, but I saw on this blood test that it was this level. Like, what do you, and, you know, I think another like key thing I've learned in terms of advocating for yourself is you really want practitioners and doctors that you feel like are on your team and that you feel like support you as a human. And, you know, for me personally, what that looked like was if I had doctors that I felt like there was some ego that would get in the way from me doing what I needed to do to feel confident in, you know, working with them, then that for me, that was like a misfit, you know, and it was like, you know what, I know it's going to take time and effort, but I'm going to find a new practitioner that, that I can vibe with, you know, and that, that will be open and supportive to what I need to do to feel confident in this. So, you know, I, I talk to a lot of women who choose clinics, for example, really quickly, and they don't interview the clinics. They don't sit down with the the nurse, the person who's going to be like your quote unquote best friend throughout the fertility treatment. They don't really get a sense of like, am I a fit with this clinic? And do I feel like they're going to treat me in a way that's going to allow me to move through this treatment with ease? Or is it going to be like a really painful process? So, you know, I think 
knowing knowing like who you're working with and really being thoughtful about like questions you ask even before you move forward with the clinic, I think is is really important. That yeah, that resonates with me. I did um I know a lot of clinics will do like free second opinion consults and that ended up being a situation I was in you know, very Mm -hmm. similar to you, just being proactive with my care, bringing those questions. And to your point, ego would get in the way with some of these reproductive endocrinologists. They're like, it's just Google. Like I'm telling you what you need to do to know. Whereas when I finally found the right fit, I would bring him like stuff completely out of his realm. And he was just interested to know like, well, what did you find? What did, what Mm -hmm. did you see that it was online? Let me go back and see if I can find some more information. And so to your point, they are out there and it does make a huge difference. Um, something that, so you do that with your physicians, but then something that I've noticed too, is you're just very proactive in your day-to-day life as well, in terms of putting your fertility health first are there. I I'm very interested in learning about the luteal phase and sync, uh, cycle syncing. Can you kind of touch on that and maybe how that relates into your, your fertility health? Yeah. Um, So I think I was kind of introduced to the concept by my acupuncturist a couple years ago. And I think overall, like I throughout my life has been been someone that doesn't really understand what like going with the flow is. (laughs) (laughs) Like I'm very structured and, you know, I've always been like a very timeline driven person. And so for me, the whole concept of being in sync with your body was something so new, Um, not just being in sync, but like really being connected with your body. And I think, you know, for a journey that is so taxing, so, you know, physically and emotionally intensive, I was really drawn to ways to kind of enhance that connection, um, both physically and emotionally. And so, my acupuncturist had introduced this concept of like doing all things in relation to your cycle, whether that's, you know, specific exercises, um, nutrition. I mean, it was a totally game changing concept for me because, you know, I pushed through exercises, even though my body didn't feel like it wanted to do certain things or just not really understanding the power of different kind of nutrients during different parts of your cycle. Um, and so I, I think the the big focus for me has just been how do I get my body into a state of flow through these things? So one big way I've done that is just nutrition. So understanding ways that I can integrate little foods into things that I was already eating, but that would help, for example, um, support my estrogen production or support progesterone just based on whether I'm in phase or follicular phase, just um, kind of starting there. And um, what I learned is that there's so many like easy, delicious ways (laughs) (laughs) to do that. For example, like I love my, and I have some recipes on my Instagram around like energy balls because like I'm on the go a lot and it's a really great way to like introduce pumpkin seeds and sunflower seeds just based on where you are in your cycle. Cause seeds are um, another concept that my acupuncturist and I think a lot support is the concept of seed cycling 
So having a combination of different seeds during um, different parts of your cycle that just help promote, um, again, the estrogen or progesterone production. You can sprinkle it on top of salads. You can, I mean, there's so many different, like easy, non-hassle ways of getting in pumpkin seeds, flax seeds, um, sesame seeds, and and sunflower seeds. Those are like the four key seeds. Um, But yeah, all that to say, you know, doing that, I think another big piece, and um, this is also recommended depending on, you know, your diagnosis, um, anti-inflammatory diets. So following, you know, the high, somewhat high in fat, I think fat has always gotten a bad rep, but particularly for fertility, um, it's, you know, studies have shown that it helps, again, reduce that inflammation in the body, which can cause complications for, again, certain women um, in during fertility treatment. So, things that are high in omegas and fats, like, you know, the salmons and um, leafy greens. And um, yeah, so, you know, trying to trying to just find ways where I can enhance meals um, and enhance my nutrition by just understanding, like, there's all these great foods that maybe historically, again, fat got a bad rep, but when it comes to your fertility journey, um, really, really helps. Um, So, that's just on a nutrition side, on a lifestyle side, um, the power of nervous system. So just the power of your nervous system that is tied to every other function in your body. So learning how to um, kind of slow down, um, incorporate slower movement. I mean, I used to be a cardio gal incorporating slower movements where, oh, I actually have to feel muscles in my body and I have to be connected to this experience and I have to slow down in this. Um, So just incorporating movements that were a lot slower um, just into my normal workout routine has been um, part of just supporting my nervous system, which again connects to so many of your other key bodily functions um, to help just support myself and bring myself into the best kind of healthiest place. That's so beautiful. I used to do hit like all the time and I wouldn't just go walk when like in reality, the walking was going to be so much more beneficial. Um, I see Amanda, did you want to add something to that as well? No, I was just going to basically say the same. Like I still do probably a lot of like hitch <laughs> classes that I'm like, I, I need to slow down, like honestly. And I can feel the difference of when I do, um, I have lupus. And so like it definitely inflames my body a lot. And just you even talking about um, like the nutrition side of it, like there's a huge difference in my everyday of just how I feel when I do take the time and I like truly do like the anti-inflammatory diet. I mean, the significant difference in just the way I feel every single day, it's, it, it works. I know it's like, can be overwhelming, but if you do it, like, I'm sure you would probably say this like slow, like at a time Mm -hmm. to like, kind of get it into your lifestyle and your diet and everything. Uh, And I I think with the lifestyle, right, we're, we all have a cycle, like it's, it's going to become like second nature. Once you've been doing this for so long, you almost are like, to your point, Camille, are in sync with your body that you're not going to have to like, look at an app or look at something on paper. And you just kind of know where you're at. 
you've inspired me just from like looking at your Instagram this morning and hearing you talk to, to better understand and get in sync with my body. Do you have like resources that you could direct listeners or even Amanda and I too, to kind of see in the beginning how to cycle sync or know where you're at? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I, I know we talked about like the 28 app, which, um, I think the first place to start, cause you're right. Like you both brought up this concept of like, you know, we want to go, go, go and jump into like 10 big lifestyle changes. And, um, you know, it just, the brain doesn't work like that. It's, it's so hard to sustain. That's why you see like 70 to 80% of people drop off their January 1st goals by the end of January, because we try to just, you know, eat the elephant in one bite instead of in tiny chunks. So I would say the best place to start is just getting the data, understanding your cycle, like understanding some people have a 28 day cycle, some people don't. Um, Like there's just so much variation. So the 28 app has really helped me with that. And it took, you know, it takes like a couple months, probably like two or three months to like really understand like what the pattern is of your cycle. But what what it helps you do is it helps you just like kind of log when when your period is so that you can kind of start to see like, oh, okay, I'm on a 27 day cycle. Um, And for me, it fluctuates every month. So I just kind of take an average like I'm like, okay, it's around 27 for me. Um, And, you know, with with that app as well, what it has is based on where you are, whether you're in you know, your ovulatory phase or follicular phase, it has workout recommendations and it has nutrition recommendations. So um, it, you know, it kind of all in one has like, not just helping you kind of track where you are in your cycle um, because it has this calendar function, but it it gives you recommendations. And even it recently like updated and now they have like emotional and spiritual recommendations too, which is kind of fun. So like, it's fun, you know, you have to, you also have to take it with a grain of salt. Cause like at first I was so religious with it that it would be like, you know, today you're not feeling very social. So like, take it easy and be kind to yourself. And I'd be like, okay, I'm going to cancel my dinner plans then. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> funny. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's a great app to just kind of get started, you know, get, you know, I think first up is just understanding your cycle and like starting to integrate maybe one practice, right? Like maybe I'm just going to look at the nutrition aspect and for di- for today, I'm going to maybe one of my three meals. I'm going to try to look at what, how can I best support myself based on where I am in my cycle um, so that, you know, you're not having your January drop off where it's like trying to do everything tomorrow instead of starting small and really building on that. I love that. That is incredible. I'm like going to download it. Like literally as soon as we my flow app could hear you talking, it literally (laughs) popped up as you were saying that I've been using Uh, flow, but it doesn't, it's just very, the basic, you know, there's your cycle. I love So it's at, is it the app called two, eight, like 28 or is it 28 wellness? It's, it's the number 28. Um, so if you search that in the app store, it should come up. Um, and I think, I don't know if recently, I, I 
believe there was a free version. I think now there might be a small fee for it. Um, I I was like, I actually got in as like a, a beta user, I think. So they oh, hadn't cool. really like launched it in a publicly um, or like they hadn't launched like all right. the features. So um, that I'm not quite sure of. There might be like a free tier and then there might be um, like cost-based ones. Worth but it. I think that's so worth it. It's really like, so for women, like probably the most important thing that they could be doing. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And it has, I just pulled it up too. Like it has like your romance, like your body, your like just different categories. They've really enhanced it. So it's, it's a really good, quick, easy guide. I love well, that. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. I, I, I think what I'd love to hear is just kind of how listeners can work with you. I don't know if you're taking on clients. I think I've even just benefited looking and following at your Instagram. Like that's been beneficial because you share a lot of what you've talked about today on there, but how can listeners find you? And, and I guess what services are you offering currently? Yeah. So I'm kind of in the process of re- refreshing all of that. I think um, definitely I work with clients one-on-one. So that is something I continue to do because I love just kind of deepening my relationship and working with people, having kind of like a fertility buddy in a way, someone that I wish (laughs) that I had back at the start. So that's certainly one way to work with me. And then um, I am currently developing um, some programs that are specific to nutrition and lifestyle for individual or for women going through fertility treatment. So right now I'm um, actually creating nutrition plans that are targeted and kind of specific to different parts of the treatment. Um, So that is coming soon. I haven't launched it yet, but that will be a a future way for, for women to work with me too. That's so exciting. Congratulations on that. I can't, I will for sure. Cause I'm like, you're enough for IVF. So I'm like, I will for sure be reaching out to you. Um, yes. Perfect. And so that will be on your Instagram. Then you said eventually. Yeah. yeah. And your Instagram, yeah. just to make sure we have it right. It's fertility underscore warrior. Right. But the it's a zero for the O. It is because um Robin Burke, or I'm trying to think someone took fertility warrior as their social media handle with with the o so back in 2020 i had to innovate <laughs> i love it i love it well, it makes it's great it, it makes you stick out now i know who to, who to <laughs> yes awesome well thank you both too just for the opportunity to i mean the mission of what you're doing is so impactful so meaningful to create a platform for people to share their story. And um, again, like, you know, going back to the very start, no one was talking about this 10 years ago. And it can feel so isolating and alone, even now, even now when we have people sharing so openly about their stories and celebrities sharing openly, like, it still feels really lonely. And I think anything we can do, you know, and, and this podcast included, to remind people that they're not alone and that they have support in this is it's um deeply purposeful work. 
It, you, we could not have said it better than what you just said. And, and people like you and guests reaching out to share their unique stories is what makes this podcast, I think, so unique. And, you know, you touched on celebrities and those the famous people that share their stories. I feel like sometimes those are so surface level and you don't get into the details of things that maybe you shared today that a listener's hearing and they're like, oh my gosh, this is me. I mean, I can say that this episode it's been three years we've been doing this. We've never heard anybody with a story exactly like yours. And so I think just, it's so amazing that people want to come on and share their stories. And I, I, I'm i glad to hear that it's been beneficial for you and hopefully for others. Yes. Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on. We appreciate you so much. Yeah, thank you.